Hello, and welcome to Right Now at the Writer's Colony. I'm Chad Gurley, your host and colony coordinator at the Writer's Colony at Dairy Hollow in the historic arts village of Eureka Springs, Arkansas. We provide uninterrupted residency time for writers of all genres, whether you're writing a novel, short stories, poetry, cookbooks, a script, a play, a grant, a sermon, a speech, whatever you are writing, you are welcome here without discrimination. During the Right Now at the Writer's Colony podcast, you will get to join me in conversation with some of the writers in residence. They come from all over the world, from all walks of life to create. You'll also come alongside me and talk with artists, writers, and visionaries of Eureka Springs, Arkansas, and our local community. And together with some very special guests, we'll discover just what is happening right now at the Writer's Colony. So welcome, and thank you for listening. Welcome to Episode 2 of Right Now at the Writer's Colony. Because I had such great conversations with my guests, and because you may be traveling this weekend or next week for the holidays, and you may just need a few good podcasts for your road trip or for baking your cookies or carving into the turkey, I divided this episode number two into two segments. In the first segment, I have the pleasure of speaking with Crew de Cork's Senebro and Eileen Powell about the upcoming Harlequin Ball. It's a favorite, and this year it benefits the writer's colony. And in the second segment, I was honored to speak with author Dan Croats about his new book, Not Dead Yet, Reflections on Life, Aging, and Death, now available in bookstores. If you're doing any last-minute Christmas shopping, either would make a terrific present. So whichever segment you happen to be listening to right now, remember that there is another segment just waiting for you. Check both of them out. Now, let's get to it. Not dead yet. We should say this to ourselves, and often. It's a wake-up call. Say it out loud to yourself right now. I'm not dead yet. No, you're not. And neither are the writers who contributed to the book Not Dead Yet, Reflections on Life, Aging, and Death. It's a book of 16 thought-provoking, humorous essays on growing older compiled by author Daniel Croats. In the foreword, Dan writes, Everyone appearing here is still alive, more or less, and each contributor reflects on getting old on the prospects of dying sooner rather than later, and on what it's like to be old in a tech-drenched, sensory-overloaded culture focused on young, thin, and rich wannabes. I had the honor and pleasure of catching up with Dan and his little dog Frankie here at the Writer's Colony to learn more about this must-read for anyone, young or old, who wants to laugh and love and live life to the fullest. We had some deep conversation, and I invite you to join us. So, welcome. So glad you're here. We also have Frankie, your dog, with us, which is really cool. Ah. Makes it very homey. (laughs) Um... And Frank, Frankie has a, a, a lover named Johnny. Oh, really? Uh, so we have Frankie and Johnny. Eh? That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, 
And so we've invited, I've invited you here to talk about, you've got a new book out. And what, what book is this? The, the name of the book is Not Dead Yet, Reflections on Life, Aging, and Death. And it is a, a collection of essays and stories by uh, old people, old meaning people who are well over 60, most okay. of us are over 70, some of us are nearly 90. Wow, really? Yes, and we're writing about um, the utter shock of waking up one morning and discovering that we're old. And is it, but it's not the first time you're actually uh, kind of thinking about mortality, though, is it? Or is this. Um, Death uh, and uh, old age can be and usually are pretty abstract ideas and conditions. Right. Uh, And young people like yourself. can certainly have ideas about what it's like to be old. You might read a lot of literature about uh, old age. Uh, You'll find sources all over the internet, uh, like brainy quotes, that will tell you what people think about being old. But the fact of the matter is, is that someday you're going to wake up and get up and think, oh my God, yeah. I'm old. Yeah. And when I turned 70, oh, wow. it was a complete and utter shock to me. So is it kind of like a second midlife crisis? Did you ever have a midlife crisis? No, I never had a midlife crisis. Okay. Um, one of the, I think what most of us do is we experience life. I mean, I know what it's like to be four years old. I know what it's like to be 14. Right. I mean, I remember how horrible and hideous those 14-year-old days were. (laughs) (laughs) I know what it's like to be 24 and 44 and 64. Uh, And so I can reflect back on life and on the different ages and have some perspective on it. Yeah. But when you turn 70 for example, at some age like that. It's a brand new experience. And you start reckoning with the fact that um, time is limited. Right, right. So, yeah, anyways, a a big shock to me. And as I talk with other people, um, older people, I discover that they too are shocked by it. Yeah, and so this book, is actually just it's about kind of it's about process about well it's a book of essays right right um and it seems that it's about not only kind of giving wisdom about getting older but also kind of processing you processing it personally i felt like your essay was about like i'm not only like here's the the advice that i'm going to give or whatever but you were really kind of processing life Uh, In many respects. Uh, There are 16 uh, different essays or stories in Not Dead Yet. Uh, And each of the writers has a a particularly personal uh, idea of what it's like to be old. And that, of course, ranges from the uh, 
the idea that while you're only as old as you you feel, right? Which I personally feel is delusional, right? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you say that? Um, because, well, it's because I have not experienced that. Yeah. Uh, when I when I hear a friend, uh, a colleague, uh, one of my co-writers say. Uh, for example, well, I'm 84, but I only feel 60. Yeah. Uh, I find that a bit difficult to comprehend. Yeah. But that's the interesting uh, part of this book, and one of the reasons that I put it together was that everyone has their own view on life. Yeah. And everyone goes through life in their own way. Yeah. You know? One of the contributors, for example, is uh, uh, Dr. Jim Young, who's a former chancellor of the University of Central Arkansas. And uh, Jim uh, was also a longtime resident of Eureka Springs and a founder of the Metaphysical Society. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Jim has written dozens of books uh, uh, on uh, mostly metaphysical subjects. And Jim is one of those guys who says you're only as uh, old as as you feel. feel. Uh, And if you run into Jim, if you ever meet Jim, you'll discover that he is one of the most ebullient, happy, interesting people you'd ever, ever hope to meet. Yeah. You know, me, on the other hand, I'm, I'm, I'm an old grouch. Uh, No, and uh, the, uh, as I started to look at what people uh, meant by old age, I looked at all of the quotes and all of the ideas around it. And the only idea that I ran into that actually seemed to capture the experience of discovering you're old was a, a, a character in a Hemingway novel named Mike Campbell. Hmm who um, was going bankrupt. And uh, so uh, another character in the book uh, said, well, Mike, how did you go bankrupt? Mm -hmm. And Mike replied, well, slowly, and then all at once. Oh, yeah. And that's my experience with old age. Uh, It happens slowly and then immediately, all at once. Yeah. Uh, between the ages of probably 35 and 65, I really always felt like I was the same person. Yeah. Oh, do you feel like you've actually become a different person? Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. And that was one of the interesting things about the essays in Not Dead Yet is um, most of the writers also discovered that they had become completely different people. Do you think, when you say different, do you mean, do you think that that you are at a place of the most authentic that you have ever been? Would you call it authenticity or would it, or have you, is it a transformation into a different person, I guess? Well, we are fundamentally the same person, but um, there are realizations. One of the realizations, of course, is that um, 
we now know comprehensively uh, that we will never be thin, rich, or handsome. Uh, we are what you are who are. you are, what you are, yeah. That's right. And so you give up on a lot of those um, kinds of ambitions that you might have had as a younger person. Uh, you come to some resolution with it, uh, and with that resolution comes acceptance of who you are. Yeah. And that's one of the real gifts of being an old person. Yeah. You finally get to accept who you are. Yeah. With Without regrets. Did, without regrets or with regrets? or uh, Some of the writers uh, identified regrets that they had. Yeah. Um, the common regret is um, probably some wistfulness about opportunities they missed. Oh, yeah. To be better people. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, few, few, if any of the writers um, describe regret around not being, becoming more successful in their careers. Right, or right. wealthier and so on. But a number talked about um, a wish that they had uh been kinder, gentler, yeah, uh, more thoughtful, more introspective as right. they were as they were growing old, and that's one of the key teachings uh, of the book. Why one of the reasons um, why we hope millennials will read the book, yeah, uh, that they can maybe understand that uh, the. The, the moral and social values are the ones that we really have to pay attention right, to. Right, right. We'll get right back to our conversation in just a moment, right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of Right Now at the Writer's Colony has been sponsored by DeVito's of Eureka Springs. For over 31 years and until the new year, Chef Sarah Niazi brings James DeVito's family recipes to life with delicious dishes served every day, except Wednesdays, at 5 o'clock with the last seating at 9 o'clock. On December 31st, DeVito's will close so that new chapters can be written. And that means you have limited time to enjoy a meal here with your friends and family. Where else are you going to get fresh rainbow trout served five ways? While we look forward to the new year, let's also enjoy the year we still have by celebrating at DeVito's. DeVito's will be open on Christmas Eve, so make reservations today. Now back to our conversation with Dan Croats about the book Not Dead Yet, Reflections on Life, Aging, and Death. Talk to me a little bit about spirituality. Well... Um. <laughs> I know that's kind of a big, but you know, I think, I mean, I'm just thinking about you getting older in life and time is of the essence or you kind of see that time is limited. Um, and so you probably start thinking about things that are beyond human existence. Um, well, uh, religion and spirituality are key aspects of 
any kind of introspective life. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are all kinds of people who go through life uh, without thinking uh, too much mm -hmm. about their place in the universe and so on. And it is becoming a somewhat uh, uh, problematic as a culture. I mean, Americans in particular uh, are so focused on consumption, mm -hmm. mass consumption, mm -hmm. that they don't, uh, in my view, spend enough time um, thinking about what you've, you've, you've said uh, or defined as spirituality. But there's a uh, distinguishing characteristics uh, about spirituality. What does what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. uh, are, are you talking about uh, people, spiritual people, define uh, uh, define themselves as introspective, as mm -hmm. peaceful, uh, or um, the reverse of that is people who become uh, immense sufferers of mm. scrupulosity. Mm -hmm. um, so terribly worried mm -hmm. that they don't measure up. So terribly right. worried right. that they're not good enough. Right. Um, all the rest of that. Yeah. Um, I found myself um, over the years becoming less and less interested in spiritual matters. Really? And much less interested in religion. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up as a, uh, in a uh, profoundly Catholic culture, okay. Roman Catholic culture. And uh, I write a bit about my experiences as a Roman Catholic and, and now, uh, you know, I perceive it as primarily as being sort of a cultural experience. You may be familiar with the, the novelist and writer Walker Percy, mm -hmm. uh, who defined himself, always defined himself as a bad Catholic. Mm. Uh, he said, well, I, you know, I, I love women and I love whiskey and then <laughs> I love God. <laughs> And I have, in my own own life, come come terms with the fact that I too am a bad Catholic, <laughs> because that really has resonated with me. But um, is spirituality? Is there a, a moral component to it? Um, when I was in graduate school, school I uh, took a class from Houston Smith, uh, who is. Um, a world-recognized uh, scholar of comparative religion okay, and also yeah. a philosopher. And he said that all people are called to become mystics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe that. If you uh, are on, a, on, a, on your journey through life, you move from religion to spirituality, to mysticism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that has always resonated with me. Yeah. Uh, but a good, a, a good uh, understanding of, of, I think, of mis mysticism is knowing that we're all pretty uh, 
corporal and corporate uh, people. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, I recall uh, traveling years ago uh, to a Buddhist monastery up in Tibet, up in the Himalayas. Oh, wow, yeah. And went high, high up into the Himalayas over, over the capital city of Lhasa uh, to a school where young monks were in training. Uh-huh. And the, the, the and of course it was wonderful to see all of these young men with their bald heads and their scarlet robes. Yeah, and yeah. It, was, and it must be the majestic. Marvelous, even. The marvelous Himalayas and the blue sky. Yeah. Every one of those little 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 uh, kids up there, they're all young boys, 15, 18, and, and the older monks too. They were all chain-smoking. <laughs> and the ground was littered with cigarette butts. Yeah, yeah. And it was uh, the irony yeah. of that. Um, yeah. And, uh, but that was the connection that they had with life. Yeah. They're not perfect. Right. Mysticism right. does not mean perfection. Right, exactly. Do you, when you talk to people about um, old age or you talk to people about death, do you find people, it really turns people off? They get scared of it? Uh, some people, some people are afraid of um, of dying and uh, talking about it. Uh, they like to, um, well, out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, focus on the positive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a glass half full. It's a glass half empty. Or is there a glass at mm-hmm. all? Right. <laughs> yeah. And those are those are the things that, that I think are, you know, people have their own orientation to yeah. it. Some of the writers in Not Dead Yet talk about how they feel about death. Yeah. Um, some of them express uh, some fear. Uh, the common, the the common. Uh, idea if there is one uh, is that we all hope to go quickly yeah and without um, inconveniencing too many other people or ourselves yeah yeah though yeah my friend Mina is in her 80s and she says it's always hard for her to talk to people my age about death because people that are younger are like you're not dying yet. No, you're going to live for another, sure. you know, 20 years. And she's like, no, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> and let's talk about it. Yeah. And I, th- I think um, what younger people are doing when they um, um, resist talking about death and dying and so on are really uh, probably expressing their own fear of losing someone. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that and that may be a common theme for all of us. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea of dying um, also causes us to reflect on what we will, what we will miss, who we will miss. Right, right. And yeah. so on. Yeah. yeah. Well, we live in this culture that just prizes living. You know, we have a health industry that is dedicated to keeping everyone alive for as long as possible. Sure. 
And we don't, I don't know, do we, in our culture, do we really think full circle? No. Um, there is a, there's a real um, resistance to um, talking to old people about um, how they need to transition out of active life. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example, and this will probably make some of your listeners angry, but um, I know probably 50. Frankie! <laughs> I probably know 50... So while Frankie is checking out a dog through the window and trying to play, um, we'll take a quick short break. A quick digression. As you know, the Riders Colony at Dairy Hollow is located in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. And for anyone that knows anything about Eureka Springs, it's that this is a truly exciting and magical place full of opportunities and experiences. Seriously. For instance, just this past weekend, a thousand Santas descended upon our little village for a scavenger hunt, while store windows became living representations of all kinds of holiday merriment. A highlight? Well, the living windows that depicted some of the permanent art on display at Crystal Bridges was truly awe-inspiring. And to get to see a live representation of the statue of Jesus from the Passion Play? Now that's a huge bonus. Jack Moyer posted to Facebook, thanks to Jackie Wovlin for bringing the concept of the living windows to Eureka, and to Damon Hinkey for bringing the concept of a thousand Santas to downtown's Eureka Springs, and to Main Street Eureka Springs for believing in the Christmas holiday season. Hashtag better together. A huge shout out to all of the artists and all those that were involved in this past weekend's festivities. It was truly awesome. In fact, I got to meet Jesus and Dolly Parton on my way home. All that is to say Eureka Springs is full of surprises, full of experiences and activities, especially if you give it your heart. So please come and visit us in Eureka Springs, Arkansas. We look forward to having you here. Now back to our conversation with Dan Croats about the book Not Dead Yet, Reflections on Life, Aging, and Death. Well, uh, an example is that I probably know 50 young people who have PhDs um, and are teaching uh, their adjunct faculty, teaching in community colleges and so on. Yeah. And uh, of those 50 young people who aspire to careers in academia, um, probably half of them are on food stamps. Yeah. Uh, And it frankly is because uh, tenured faculty are 70 and in some cases 80 years old and they won't get out of the way. I tell you... You guys really screwed Generation X. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, and that is not to say that people in their 70s are not competent to to do what they're doing. 
But but there hasn't been a passing of the mantle. Right. And uh, baby boomers, the generation who are not dead yet, but mm-hmm. close to it, fail to, to recognize that they may have been one of the most fortunate generations in the history of the world. Mm. We grew up in a uh, post-World War II environment where the United States had no competition, Mm -hmm. where public education was, including secondary education, was excellent and extremely affordable, if not free. Yeah. Uh, There was a one-to-one ratio between wages and profits. Mm It's one to seventy-six now. It's, yeah. Um, young people. Uh, well, I, for example, went to the University of Minnesota. And this was back in the late sixties and seventies, and paid less than a thousand dollars a year. Wow! But yeah, coming. Um, and this is at a highly accredited university. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the same education today is about $19,000. Yeah, yeah. Um, And young people don't have the same opportunities to um, make the sort of money that we made. Yeah. When our generation, the baby boomer generation, was growing up, companies had pension plans for their employees. Yeah. Now that we've all been tricked into uh, 401k plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another thing is is that um, during, during our lifetime as baby boomers, government um, understood that it had, it had a role in providing public services. And so that meant the post office, for example, Running our prisons and yeah. and uh, criminal justice system, uh, operating our national parks. Yeah. But during the Clinton administration, uh, there was a huge push for privatization, and so now our prisons are run by. Um, corporations, if you will. For profit. Our national parks are run by corporations. Yeah. And those used to be jobs that working class Americans had that also provided fairly good wages and pension plans and so on. Yeah. Um, and it's just too bad. It now, whether Whether that is um, the way of the world uh, could be, but baby boomers do need to understand uh, how to put their own life in context and to appreciate the fact that um, Gen Xers and Millennials really face significantly greater barriers yeah. to affluence and economic stability than we did. Yeah. Well, it's profits over people these days. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. So how many essays are in Not Dead Yet? There are 16 different writers from all walks of life. Um, 
Oh, about six of the writers have earned PhDs and had uh, wonderful careers. Um, some of the uh, some of the other other writers are, are a filmmaker, um, wow. a uh, um, a musician, a guy who used to play for Mitch Ryder and oh, wow. yeah. Detroit Wheels. Uh, all of that. I think most of us have been successful in our own way. Yeah. Um, but um, our credentials are all over the map. Yeah. Yeah. So this is. What's the the co- tell me about this cover? Uh, well, it is a uh, a um, painting uh, by a Missouri artist who was very um, uh, prolific during the eighteen fifties and sixties. Uh, oh, okay. And uh, the the picture is the Jolly Floatsman. Huh. And it's by George Caleb Bingham, and he painted it in 1846. And we thought that that um, sort of captured um, all the, a lot of the feelings yeah. that we have experienced in our life. Why would you say that? Uh, there is a, sort of a heedless uh, element to the picture of these these young men dancing. Yeah, um, they don't quite know what is ahead of them, but they will remember someday uh, as they reflect back on life when they were young and yeah, yeah. dancing on a riverboat on the Missouri River. Yeah, that's nice. So it's not dead yet. Reflections on life, aging, and death. And where can we get it? Where can we pick it up? Uh, well, um, you can certainly get it on Amazon.com, mm-hmm. uh, Barnes & Noble, and okay. what I like to say are better bookstores everywhere. Okay, yeah. All right. Good. And uh, let me uh, say that the Not Dead Yet is a series of books, and we certainly invite anyone to contribute an essay to Volume Two. Oh, um, really? All right, I already have someone in mind to send well, you something. The, the rules are simple. Uh, you have to be at least sixty years old. Well, it's my friend <laughs> in her eighties, and she is Perfect. she. Yeah, she has. She's one of my best friends, actually, and so she she make a great writer for this. Um, is it in bookstores in Eureka Springs? Is it in Gazebo? Uh, it will be. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yep. And there will be a book signing in uh, Brews in mid-January. Oh, good. We'll okay. let folks know. Yeah, that's going to be great. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dan. I really appreciate you being here and sharing about Not Dead Yet. I can't wait to dive into it. Wonderful. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. That was author Dan Croats. Thank you, Dan, for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed this segment of Episode 2 of Right Now at the Writer's Colony. I'm Chad Gurley, your host, as well as Colony Coordinator at the Writer's Colony at Dairy Hollow. On behalf of Michelle Hannon, our Executive Director, Yana Jones, our Chef Extraordinaire and Housekeeper, and our stellar Board of Directors, thank you for listening. We hope you'll tune in again to our next podcast coming soon. Until then, Writers Rule.